It's Sunday morning. I'm Deacon Bob. Alleluia, alleluia. He is risen. Welcome to the Sunday morning edition of our podcast. It's um, it's a strange edition, I think, this morning, because in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, I've chosen to use the gospel from Holy Thursday. And I did that based on a meditation from my experience on the Good Friday service. As I record this, it's Holy Saturday morning, about 5 a.m., to be published on Easter Sunday. I want to reflect on spiritual communion. What does it mean? Why do we do it? What What good is it? So we'll begin with the gospel, and the reflection will follow. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. The devil had already induced Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to hand him over. So during supper, fully aware that the Father had put everything into his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God, he rose from supper and took off his outer garments. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will understand it later. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not only my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus said to him, Whoever has bathed has no need except to have his feet washed. For he is clean all over. So you are clean, but not all. For he knew who would betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and put his garments back on and reclined at table again, he said to them, Do you realize what I have done for you? You call me teacher and master, and rightly so, for indeed I am. If I therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow, so that as I have done for you, you should also do. The Gospel of the Lord. What's interesting about John's Gospel is that there's no mention of the words of consecration during the institution of the Eucharist. It's implied. John instead focuses on the washing of the feet where Jesus kneels down and washes the feet of the disciples. John is focusing on Jesus' command to serve one another. I think this is an appropriate reading for the time we're in because many of us are restricted from receiving sacramentally the Eucharist. We are unable to attend Mass, and so we haven't received communion sacramentally for several weeks now. Our bishop is encouraging us to make what is called a spiritual communion. So what's that all about? I'd like to to first think about the theology of baptism. I'm going to get to where we need to go, but it's a bit of a roundabout journey, so bear with me. In baptism, we're brought into the family of God through a process of adoption. 
it's the beginning part of our salvation and of course we need to cooperate with that and I remember in CCD class there's always someone who would say what happens if uh, if you can't get to baptism and if you if you die before you're baptized and we're basically we're thinking of an adult so an adult who dies before he's baptized and the question is well suppose he's like on his way to be baptized and he's hit by a car and I don't know what the fascination is with getting hit by a car on the way to the sacraments but it always seemed to come up when we talked about the sacrament and the answer is that if you intend to receive the sacrament of baptism if you're in a state where you that's your intention where you are going to go through with the process and circumstances act to prevent that you receive what is called a baptism of desire now I think a similar kind of thing is happening in the midst of the pandemic we're we're in our hearts we want to receive the Eucharist but we're prevented and pandemic is only one of the circumstances where this can happen my son was in the Coast Guard and he was on a ship that would go out for three months at a time and sometimes there was just no opportunity for him to go to Mass. For a while, he was a Eucharistic minister on the ship and actually conducted a communion service. Because of some abuses in another ship elsewhere, the whole Coast Guard was shut down, and maybe the whole military, I'm not sure, but the whole Coast Guard was shut down and unable to uh, conduct communion services at that point. The military diocese put a stop to it. So he wasn't even able to receive Holy Communion while he was away for up to three months at a time. In a situation like that, you can receive what is called a spiritual communion. And we have a little prayer um, posted on our website, and we've recited it at the Good Friday service. Other circumstances that might prevent you from receiving Holy Communion would be if you're in a marriage that's not recognized by the church, you're not supposed to receive communion. But you can make a spiritual communion. I think, unfortunately, it casts spiritual communion in the context of being plan B. It's something that we receive when we can't really receive the sacrament. And that's true enough, but it causes us to look at it in, a, in I think, a distorted way. We do the same thing with adoption. Let me explain. When I was a kid, there were a couple kids that lived nearby who were adopted. I remember I said to my mom, what's adoption? What's that all about? And she says, well... Sometimes, when, when parents can't have children of their own, they adopt kids whose parents have, have passed away or other circumstances are unable to care for them. And so they would adopt them and bring them into their family. They become part of their family. And I thought, oh, well, that's, that's a nice idea, you know. But it made me think of adoption as Plan B. It wasn't until my uh, son and his wife decided to adopt that I, I kind of gradually came out of this mindset. When they told me she was going to adopt, my first inclination was, well, you just had a child. Did something go wrong? Are you, are you okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're fine, she said. Um, we just want to adopt. We think this is something God's calling us to do. And I started to look at adoption in a more spiritual sense as a call from God and not as plan B. But for my adopted grandson, Philip, this is plan A. This really is plan A. And it's true for all of us that adoption is plan A. God adopts us into the family of God as plan A. We think of it as plan B because 
Adam damaged the relationship with God and we're now all in a, in a kind of a family feud with God when we're born. We're, this is called original sin. We're separated in a, in a sense from God. And he adopts us through baptism and brings us back. So what's this have to do with spiritual communion? Spiritual communion is not plan B. Spiritual communion is God's plan for us for our eternity. We are, through Holy Communion, brought into the divine life. During the Mass, and, and you may not have heard this prayer because the instructions tell us as deacons to say the prayer quietly so as to not distract from what the priest is doing. But when I pour the drops of water into the wine in preparation for prayers of consecration, my prayer is, by the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. Plan A for Holy Communion, plan A for our life, plan A for our very creation, our very existence, is to be brought into the divine family. That's what Holy Communion is. So, if that's plan A, it occurs to me that spiritual communion is really a part of every communion. Every sacramental communion has this spiritual communion element to it. We know from theology that sacraments are not effective unless they are cooperated with by the person receiving the sacrament. They don't become effective. They may be still valid, but they don't become effective without this intention on the part of the person receiving. So a person could go up and receive the host every week, every Sunday. But if they're not knowing what they're doing, and they're not understanding that this is, in fact, the body of Christ, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, it will not be effective in their life. We need to do more than just go through the motions. They need to come to that understanding. We have to accept the gift of God. We can't just gloss over it. So the physical act of communion is part of it, but it's not the whole thing. The spiritual part, even when we receive communion sacramentally, has to be part of it, has to be there in order for the Holy Communion to be effective. Now, in the same way that a person who's on their way to be baptized can receive a baptism of desire, a person who is restricted from receiving Holy Communion in the moment can receive the spiritual communion, can receive the graces of communion. It's kind of, you might want to think of it as a communion of desire which completes the communion. It's not that we are receiving something less. Now, we're not receiving sacramentally, and we're not receiving uh, physically. But the grace of God can't be stopped by the mere fact that we have a pandemic going on, by the fact that we ha were unable to get to Mass, by the fact that we didn't actually take the host into our mouths, or into our bodies. God is bigger than all that. God reaches down, he touches us, he touches our hearts, he fills us with his grace, and we receive. We receive the Holy Communion that he intends for us to bring us into the divine life. So as we attend Mass virtually on our screens, as we sit there and, and watch the priest and the deacon receive communion sacramentally on our behalf, and we make our spiritual communion, 
Uh, we should not think that, that God's grace is not powerful enough to come into us. It really truly is, perhaps in a way stronger than it ever has before. So I would encourage you, each of you, as you watch the Mass on TV, and please do, we're live streaming our Masses now, for, I think for the duration. It's a little bit of a production to get it going, but it's such a benefit. When you watch this Mass, when you, you know, really, truly participate in it, really, truly say the prayer of spiritual communion and understand this completes for you in the moment everything that communion could have done. Secondly, when this pandemic is over, and God, God willing, it will be soon, but when this pandemic is over, don't stop receiving spiritual communion. That spiritual communion prayer can stay with us throughout. That will improve our very experience of sacramental communion. When we understand that it's, that it's both the action of receiving the host and this spiritual communion that really activates the power of the Eucharist in us, um, I think we'll be much better off. We need to, to hold on to that idea. Many of the saints would say the spiritual communion prayer when they're unable to receive communion because I'm out in the field working and I really feel like I need to, to, um, to have a, a better, deeper experience of God. I need the strength of this grace, the grace I receive from communion. I'll say the spiritual communion prayer and God will come in. And, and it's not through any fault of my own that I'm not in church kneeling. I have other responsibilities. So spiritual communion can complete and can really bring us the grace of communion. Now that's not to say that we should choose spiritual communion over uh, sacramental communion. That would be a, a travesty. That would be you know, uh, almost, in a sense, a blasphemy, I suppose, where we, um, where we treat something, we treat a gift that's given to us as something that's kind of optional, you know. If you were to give a gift to your child and they looked at it and said, eh, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll open that next week, you know. I'm not really too interested in it at the moment. Uh, I'm going to set it aside, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to bother with it for now. But maybe sometime in the future, I'll get it. We would. We would kind of be hurt inside a little bit, wouldn't we? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you feel like you know that you're unappreciated? And it's not a matter of just hurting God's feelings. But God gives us this gift for our benefit. He gives us the gift of Holy Communion, and when we can go back to it, we need to go back to it with a vengeance in a sense. We need to be enthusiastic about it. We need to realize that what we were unable to do during this pandemic was really was a, was a loss for us, but not a loss of grace because God will make the grace available to us if we seek it. So I hope these few words have helped you to understand what spiritual communion is. So until next week, may God be with you and keep you safe. May God bless.